0: getting you set for everything Cardinals. It is second game as a Cardinal.
1: Three home
0: runs. This is the Redbird Report Show. With the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Danny Mann. out there. Oh, okay. On 101 ESPN.
2: Welcome in to Jupiter, Florida. And welcome to Spring Training 2020 on 101 ESPN. I have a great show lined up for you tonight. We'll hear from the president of baseball operations, John Moselock, Cardinals reliever, John Brebbia, and he could be potentially a Cardinals hall of famer. And that is Keith Hernandez. But first let's get to what's been happening around baseball. It is the story that just won't go away and probably nor should it. And that's the Houston Astros cheating scandal. Rob Manfred, baseball's commissioner has been making the rounds in Florida and in Arizona and he's trying to put out the fires concerning the Strohs scandal. Well, he didn't help his cause when he referred to the World Series trophy as, quote, a piece of metal in an interview with ESPN.
0: I referred to the World Series trophy in a disrespectful way. And I want to apologize for that. There's no excuse for it. Um, I made a mistake. I was trying to make a point, but I should have made it in a more effective way. And again, I want to apologize for it. Um, I will say this, you know, I've awarded five World Series trophies. There is no greater pleasure in this job than awarding that trophy. I understand what it means. And, again, it was a mistake to say what I said.
2: Justin Turner of the Dodgers didn't take kindly to what the commissioner had to say. You know, calling
0: the World Series tro- trophy a piece of metal. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the commissioner's ever won anything in his life. Maybe he hasn't. But the reason every guy is in this room, the reason every guy is, you know, working out all offseason and showing up to camp early and putting in all the time and effort is specifically for that trophy which by the way is called the commissioner's trophy. So for him to devalue it the way he did yesterday is is just tells me how out of touch he is with, with the players in this game. And you know, at this point, the only thing devaluing that trophy is that it says commissioner on it.
2: Strong words for Rob Manfred. This all started, you may remember, in a report in The Athletic in which pitcher Mike Fires went on the record to talk about what was happening. Well, David Ortiz wanted to weigh in. The former slugger of the Red Sox is in their camp.
3: I'm mad at uh, at this guy, the pitcher that came out talking about it, and let me tell you why. Oh, after you make your money, after you get your ring, you decide to talk about it? Why don't you talk about it during the season when it was going on? Why why you didn't say, I don't want to be no part of? Oh, now, So you look like a snitch. You know what I mean? Why you gotta talk about it after? Why don't you, that's that's my problem, you know. Why why nobody say anything while it was going on? People is not stupid, you know. Like if I heard that, if if, if I'm a fan that come to the stadium every home game, like we have, at some point I'm gonna hear the banging, and I'm talking about as a fan, okay? And that gonna come out. How come there's this banging going on every time we are hitting? You know, like. It, it, it was something that it was from what I have seen, seemed like it was something that it, can, it, it came to the point that it was obvious, too obvious, you know what I'm saying? I heard Correa the other day say to Kenny Rosenthal that Artube had nothing that had to do with it because he do not like it. And let me tell you, I believe that. But let me tell you what the problem is. Just for being part of the group that was doing it, you are guilty as much as everybody else. I can, I, I two to me, might be the best hitter in the game. But look at what he got caught into the, the, the mug that he's into now. I don't know how he's going to be able to deal with all the trash coming from fans and everybody every time he step on the plate so if you might he if you might see him this year struggle i don't think it's gonna be because he missing knowing what's coming you mind play a big role in the game it's gonna be a huge distraction for the game for a while and you don't want that. the
2: astros beat the yankees in the alcs game seven walk-off homer And New York outfielder Aaron Judge isn't over it.
3: It was was tough to
4: watch, you know, and, you know, through the whole thing, you know, once it came out, you know, I was pretty mad, pretty upset, um, you know, to know that we were probably, you know, cheated out of a possibility of, you know, making it to the World Series because as a kid, that's, you know, forget, forget the individual awards, forget how many games you win, how many homers you hit. It's about, you know, winning a World Series, you know, winning a World Series with your team and fighting till the very end, you know, the blood, sweat and tears you put into the game. You know, to be that last team in standing, you know, and to hear that you got cheated out of that opportunity—that's that's that's, <sighs> that's tough to kind of you know let let go.
2: That's one of the players' perspective. How about a writer, baseball writer, analyst on ESPN? Tim Kirchin appeared on Buster Olney's podcast on ESPN. Does he expect? And this is a big question. Retaliation this year for the Astros on the field. I
1: got two emails yesterday from former players unsolicited that Rob Manfred is handling this incorrectly also. That we need to go back to the old school way. And he, and I'm quoting here from basically the same email from two different guys independently. He needs to just turn his back and let the baseball recourse take uh, its course. And that is, you hit somebody for disrespecting the game. The game, the players uh, control it, and you knock a few guys down. You hit a few guys, move on, because that's how it used to be done. Now, look, I don't want anyone to get hurt, and I, no. I am in the major majority. I've written this a thousand times. That throwing a baseball at a at a player, especially at his head, is as dangerous a situation as you're going to get in professional sports. So, I am totally against that. I hate the whole. Part of it, but there are former players saying the only way you're going to get back at the Astros is to let them take their medicine for spring training, and everyone wipes their hands and said, "All right, we're done with those guys." I disagree with both emails, but I'm just telling you this is what I got from two former players last night who were outraged that the commissioner would say, "All right, you can't go after those guys," when that's the way baseball has always done it. And even though I don't like that, it has worked at times in the past. The number one thing, I repeat, you can't let anybody get hurt doing this, but there's no easy way to get around.
2: Houston started their spring training campaign on Saturday. They elected not to have any of their major players in that lineup. They're training very close to Jupiter. Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch was there for the opener that did not feature
5: those regulars. It also speaks to, like, Houston. Here they are again. I mean, there are rules about this stuff. you got to put four regulars in the lineup, right? It's their home game. And they didn't do it. it's their home game, their home game, game, their home fans, and they they did not give a single regular the 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 lineup that they had Dan there combined zero plate appearances zero plate appearances in the postseason yeah
2: zero I, I don't know how they get away with that I, I was they don't they'll get fined yeah I was shocked Down when I saw that, that lineup
5: folded or something. You know, Dusty Baker was asked about it, and he said, you know, look, the young guys are ahead of the veterans at this point. But, I mean, it is what it is. You know you know why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to have to the face folks, the
2: music at some
5: point. You are, and he said he would start trickling them in. You know, in a way, it was like a nod to the Nationals, let them have their night. There were far more National fans that have bought tickets to a Houston home game than Astros fans. There's a genuine, there's a real interesting question down there. Um, you know, sort of press box chatter to be honest. But is if the Houston fans stay away from this team? You know, I've been they, wondering they have that too. Yeah, a lot of talent. They have a lot of charisma, but will Houston fans show up? The ones who did wore their wore everything. I mean, they were dressed to stand out as Houston fans. So kudos to them. But there was a lot more Nationals fans than and Astros fans at an Astros home game. And it was an interesting kind of atmosphere. You know, you had the banging of the chairs, you know, the um, signs were taken by ushers. So there wasn't a whole lot of signs there. Um, Lots and lots of booze for players who had no role in it. But a very, very public hug from Dave Martinez and Dusty Baker before the game during the national anthem. You know, just in being around there that day, what I realized, and kind of knew going in, Dan, but what I realized, is that if Houston's going to come out of this, if Houston is going to have a good season, if Houston is going to reclaim its reputation, it's going to be because Dusty Baker is there. It's going to be because baseball really likes Dusty Baker.
2: Let's switch gears. What's happening right now in Cardinals camp? The Cardinals have seen some bright spots so far, and that includes Tyler O'Neal in the battle in left field. O'Neal cranks one high. Out to deep left. At the wall, it is gone! Neil, first at bat
0: this spring takes one deep you know for me we've been doing some live at bats in the backfields a little bit just trying to try and replicate um, obviously at bats and games and different pitchers and things like that sequences counts everything um, so that uh, prepared me a little bit you know to be set up in the game um, you know, again, it's, it's definitely different when there's thousands of people around you and um, you game-like atmosphere out there. Um, so, you know, I'm just, just trying to play with it.
2: O'Neill with a statement early on in this battle with Lane Thomas and Dylan Carlson. Line drive into center off the bat of Dylan Carlson, and he drives in his first here in 2020, and it makes it a 2 nothing St. Louis lead. A bullet. Carlson also added in a great catch while playing right field. He can play all three outfield spots. There's a battle in the infield. Amundo Sosa, Tommy Edmond, Brad Miller, and Jairo Munoz. Munoz, a high fly ball out to deep left, and this one is gone. A two-run homer, Jairo Munoz. This year, a different camp because there's 73 players in this camp. And Ali Marmol, the Cardinals bench coach, he's the one that does a lot of the scheduling and tries to keep it together. Our staff does a phenomenal job, Dan. Uh, The
6: reality of it is this morning we met just our big league staff for about 30 minutes and then with all of our support group with our minor league coordinators and all our minor league uh, personnel for another 30 minutes just make sure that we're not missing anything when it comes to each guy getting individually what they need.
2: Um, And it's easy to let a guy or two kind of fall through the the cracks uh, with this large of a camp. Uh, but if we're super intentional with our time and efficient with it, we can service each one of these guys individually and get everything done. The Cardinals received word in this past week that Miles Michaelis will miss time at the beginning of the year. So there is a spot in the rotation. We head back to Tim Kirkchen of ESPN. Yeah,
1: they're not in very good shape right now, starting pitching-wise anyway. And now this happens and that knocks him down another notch. I mean... They've got Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, and after that, what are you absolutely sure of in that rotation for the Cardinals? Because you don't know about Carlos Martinez, what he's going to be like when he returns to the rotation, as he should, in my mind. But Miles Michaelis is a very good pitcher, and if this is going to affect him to start the season and beyond, I know it's a winnable division. I know the Cubs, Brewers, and Reds are all, all have their flaws, but this is a bad... This is a bad situation for the Cardinals. You can't win, ultimately, without starting pitching. You lose a top guy like him, it's really going to affect
2: you. I'm not so sure I agree with Tim Kirchin on that. The Cardinals, one thing that they do possess is depth in their pitching, and that is a strength. I think if the season started right now, you would have Adam Wainwright, Jack Flaherty, Carlos Martinez, K.K. Kim, and Dakota Hudson in the rotation and still on the outside looking in, and this is where the depth comes through Austin Gombert, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Henesis Cabrera, maybe even Alex Reyes. So the pitching depth is there for St. Louis. We'll hear more about that with John Moselock later in the show. We'll hear from pitcher John Brebbia as well. Coming up, I'll visit with Keith Hernandez, the former Cardinals first baseman up again for the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. What would it mean to Keith to go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame and put on that red jacket? It
7: would mean everything to me, and I think all the Cardinals fans that were around and know me uh, back when I was coming up and playing playing there and playing against them, they all know that I was a Cardinals fan as a kid, and it was a dream come true for me just to put the Cardinal uniform on in the minor leagues, and then also to play on a big league level Uh, for eight years, eight and a half years there and bring the world championship back since the first one since 67 with those great 60s Cardinals, um, it would mean uh, so much.
2: We're in Florida. A visit with Keith Hernandez. The Cardinals Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. Fans, this is Cardinals pitcher Andrew Miller. The St. Louis Cardinals National League Central Division Champions.
6: You're listening to the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN.
0: more baseball talk, we're back now to the Redbird Report with the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Danny Mack, on 101 ESPN.
2: This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Jupiter, Florida. Well, the St. Louis Cardinals recently announced the finalists for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. They include Steve Carlton, Tommy Herr, Matt Morris, Edgar Renteria, Lee Smith, John Tudor, and Keith Hernandez. Hernandez was the co-MVP of the National League in 1979. He won six gold gloves at first base and was a key member of a championship club.
3: Sitter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's a winner! That's a winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Porter throws his mask into the air. The players converge around the mound. The police arrive on the scene. The canine patrol and the mounted patrol. Some fans managed to get on the field. But they needn't do that and they won't be out there very long. The Cardinals have won the game 6 to 3. The Cardinals have won the National League pennant and the Cardinals have won the 1982 Well,
2: he's one of the great Cardinals ever, and again, he is on the ballot for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. He's also a broadcaster with the New York Mets for many, many years on SNY, one of the best teams in sports with Gary Cohen and Ron Darling, and that's former Cardinal first baseman Keith Hernandez. Keith, always good to visit with you. How are things?
7: Everything's great, Dan. I'm Getting ready for another season, just like you are, and the fans in New York and uh, St. Louis.
2: Well, it's going to be an interesting year. I, I got to get your thoughts on what's happening with the Houston Astros and the, the cheating scandal. What, what did you think about all this as it unfolded this offseason?
7: Well, I think they took it to a different, uh, another level. Uh, I think that uh, when they brought in all the analytics and then the instant replay, um, MLB, I think they in, kind of invited this sort of uh, corruption. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and uh, it's got to be stopped. I mean, I'm of the feeling that, uh, you know, these players come to the ballpark at 12 noon for a 7 o'clock game. They have seven hours. they for, for six hours, they can study all the computers they want and get all the information they want, all the intel. And then, you know, once the game starts, I just no electronics, everything shut down in the ballpark, in the dugout. I mean, iPads in the dugout to me are absolutely absurd. Uh, it looks like they're not going to address that. They're going to let that continue as long as we understand that iPads are are pre-programmed. Well, who's going to who's going to make sure that they're pre that, that, that there's a proper pre-program? Sure. I mean, you don't need you don't need all this stuff. Okay, you've got a telephone. You've got five coaches. You've got a manager with eyes that are being paid uh, to school, coach, and manage a team. And they should know when a pitcher is losing his stuff, and the manager makes a decision, not someone up in the clubhouse that's on a computer that is analyzing every pitch and saying the spin rate is he's losing his spin rate. You got to get him out. It's a you, know, you got professional players. You pay them to make decisions on the field.
2: I'm curious your thoughts on this. The game is so different today. Your teams were so much fun to watch. What do you think your teams would do, specifically the 82 team that won in today's era of baseball? What do you think?
7: Well, i think hate to compare. I mean, you know, Rocky Marciano and, you know, fighting Muhammad Ali or Muhammad Ali fighting Joe Louis. You know, the athletes are bigger and stronger. They're better conditioned uh, uh, than, than we were, although we've pretty much played ourselves into shape. Uh but
2: the way you guys uh, played the game, Keith, was fun and it was a different style. Well
7: it's it just it's just become more home run. Yeah. And I think uh, you know, it's like football. I, I talked to a lot of NFL players that played in the in the in the sixties and uh in seventies and you know with the big linemen were two hundred and seventy five pounds and there was footwork. Um fundamentals and blocking and now today uh, it's just 300-pound linemen, and you just push the guy around. You know, they've planned that there's just no more fundamental basketball I think the three-point play. As ex- you know, as exciting as it is, it's changed the game dramatically. But all the little details, I mean, Earl Pearl Monroe, who lives in New York, and I have known Earl, and he said, anybody can, you know, we're talking about the dunk. I mean, he said, anybody can dunk, but can you hit the 10-foot jumper at the mm-hmm. buzzer uh, uh, when you're down a, uh, down a point? Uh, those kind of things baseball's finally gone that way and um it's his home run strikeout or walks and a lot of it too is too much mental thinking out there when his pitchers got you 0-2 uh they used to come after you the hitter's in trouble when you're 0-2 you're 1-2 and, and then you know if you if you work the count to 3-2 well you've turned the tables and that's that lengthens the game with all these pitches. You know, I talked with Whitey once, and Whitey looks at the USA Today, and he counts the pitches and the how many pitches in a game. And he said, "Jesus, sometimes there's a lot of times there's over 300 pitches in a game." That adds the time to the game. Not you know that that how do you address that when you have that mentality where pitchers in my day, and I hate to always say this, would say if they got in trouble and they were behind the count, well, I didn't give in to the hitter. I went right after him. Well, today it's just the opposite. The pitchers say, I didn't give in to him, so I wasn't going to throw him a fastball. It's just the reverse. So there's a lot of whole different kind of philosophy and thinking. And, um, you know, I've come to terms with it. I just come to the park and show up on time. You know, every (laughs) once in a while we get a good game. You know, we, and, you know, but most of the time it's, you know, you go six innings, you got starters out there, and you go, Jesus. We're less than two hours here. It might be under a three-hour game. Right. And sure enough, they so come. To, they go to the bullpen late in the game, and next thing you know, it's a three-hour and a 20, 30 thirty-minute game.
2: What did you think uh, this off season with Ted Simmons finally getting into the Hall of Fame? And by the way, analytics probably helped him get into the Hall of Fame. But your former teammate, what did you think of Teddy getting into to Cooperstown?
7: Well, I thought it was fantastic, and I must say, I was ignorant uh, to his. Just, his, his, his old school numbers, just right. RBI and how he ranked with catchers. Uh, Yogi Berra, of course, is, was always the benchmark for so long, and Ted certainly has the numbers to be there. Uh, he was a terrific offensive player, clutch hitter. I waited around or four days for I figured Ted's, Ted's phone was blowing up. You know, when he got. When he got uh, inducted, so I waited around four days for it to cool down, and um, I had a long conversation with him. I am actually going to try to uh, ask FNY if I can get the Hall of Fame weekend off and find someone, reschedule me three games, whatever, and let me go up uh, to Cooperstown and uh, be there for Ted's induction.
2: That's outstanding. Yeah. Um... Keith Hernandez, our guest. I, I want to ask you about the Cardinals Hall of Fame. I, I think Keith, you've got a great shot to get in. You should be in anyway, but it's going to happen. But for our fans, what would it mean to Keith Hernandez to to put on that red jacket and go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame?
7: It would mean everything to me, and I think all the Cardinal fans that were around and know me uh, back when I was coming up and playing, like playing there and playing against them. They all know that I was a Cardinal fan as a kid and it was a dream come true for me just to put the Cardinal uniform on in the minor leagues and then also to play on a big league level uh, for eight year eight and a half years there and bring the world championship back since the first one since sixty seven with those great sixties cardinals. Um, it would mean uh so much for me and my, my brother, my parents aren't alive, it would mean a whole lot to them. I know that, but my, my brother, uh we, we all both grew up together, uh Cardinal fans. And Gary saw me play a lot in the Cardinal uniform, and it would just be a very, very, very proud moment.
2: I know a lot of people, you know, they look back at at Keith Hernandez with St. Louis, and they think, well, it was the Mets, and he was a great player in St. Louis, but the Mets and the Cardinals had that unbelievable rivalry, made it so much fun. But to your point, you loved the Cardinals. You grew up... You know, visiting Stan Musial in the in the in the clubhouse and seeing these greats—it's Cardinal blood is kind of in your blood, and and people probably need to know that a little bit more as they decide to make their vote this year.
7: Well, I think my favorite player, my idol growing up, was Mickey Mantle, so that made me a Yankee fan, and I was a Mickey Mantle fan because when I got his first baseball card, and I was maybe six years old, seven years old. And I flipped over the backside into the bio, looked at his numbers, and I saw his birth date. I'm born on the same day as Mickey Mantle, October 20th. So that made me a Mickey Mantle fan. But in the 1964 World Series, I was rooting for the Cardinals.
2: <laughs> I love it. Um, this time of year has got to bring back memories too, because in your book, I'm Keith Hernandez. I love reading how you went through the minor leagues and being such a yeah. young kid. And the I would assume that this time of year brings back so many memories of being a minor leaguer and going through spring training with the St. Louis Cardinals for Keith Hernandez.
7: Yes, and it was over in St. Pete in those days. And uh, I have, you know, I miss George Kissel so much, who, you know, tragically was killed in an automobile accident. And George was a big part of my uh, life and my uh, uh, schooling as far as, Teaching me the fundamentals of the game, which George was known for, Bob Kennedy, Senior, uh, you know, Dale Maxwell was in the minor leagues, Kim Boyer, Bob Milliken, all you know, Fred Koenig, all the old school guys that uh, taught us the fundamentals, the Cardinal way, and there was a Cardinal way back then. I mean, you were taught. I didn't have to be taught. I always thought it was the most beautiful uniform in baseball, and but it was instilled in you. It was great pride. Uh, to wear that uniform, the birds on the bat. They, you know, the Cardinals have won the most world series next to the Yankees, the most in the, in the national league. Uh, there's a pride there of putting on that Jersey and, um, it was instilled. Uh, so yes, yeah, so at this kind of spring training right now, even though it brings back memories of the minor leagues with all of those kids out in the field, in those long days. And back then, they all they did was give you bagels and coffee and you had to <laughs> run out there and and play all, you know, you got out there at 10 o'clock and did calisthenics, and then your day wasn't over until 6. Right. And, you know, you had, you had soup and crackers for lunch, I and mean, then it was barely <laughs> uh, it barely sustained you back in those days compared <laughs> to today today the where they feed them so well, which I think they should. I think it's the right thing to do. you got to fuel the body for those guys to go out and work.
2: Final question for you. Outside of, of 82 and outside of maybe the MVP, what are your fondest memories when you reflect back on your time in St. Louis?
7: Oh, gosh, Uh, I think, you know, I went through those years when Gibson retired and, you know, McCarver left, and the only one that was really left with with the end was Gibson and Lou, and Lou stayed longer, and that was the last, um, you know, remnant of those great 60 Cardinal teams that went to the World Series three times and, and won twice. And then we had the down years, so uh, years where we weren't very good. And then that one year when Red was fired in '76, so when we won. Excuse me, we lost 90 games. I never realized until I did my book. Uh, I'm Keith Hernandez. That that was the first Cardinal team since around 1916 that lost 90 games in a season. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about that, but to see it turn around and the fans come, you know, the fans of how appreciative they were and coming back and being part of a rejuvenation of good Cardinal teams, good baseball, that was, that that, that to me, you know, having gone through hard, difficult seasons where I was part of the reason why I was struggling, had to find myself, and then to see it all come together, that is just uh, to ultimately to a championship is the best, of the, uh, the most fondest memories. I wouldn't want to be in my 20s again. I wouldn't want to be in 1975, 76, 70, uh, in 77. Those was such stressful years for me. I put so much pressure on myself uh, to become a major leaguer. It's what I wanted to do, and I was, at times I was worried. I mean, maybe I don't have it, and I got sent down. But I persevered, and, um, and I'm proud of that.
2: Well, I can't wait to see you get that red jacket. I think it's going to happen this year. I appreciate your time. It's always fun to visit with Keith Hernandez. Thanks so much, Keith.
7: All right, Dan. I'll see you down the road. I'm coming to St. Louis this year when we play you guys, and I'll see you over here at some point in the spring training.
2: Many thanks to Keith Hernandez. Coming up, you'll hear from John Brebbia and also John Mosellock on the spring camp that rolls on from Jupiter, Florida. This is 101 ESPN.
0: more baseball talk, we're back now to the Redbird Report with the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.
2: We're back in Jupiter and the Cardinals will next play on Fox Sports Midwest Saturday at noon. Yesterday saw the return of a couple of pitchers that are trying to make their way back to the big leagues.
4: One left hander, Austin Gomber, and at times he looks sharp. The focus for me is just to uh, prove that I'm back healthy. You know, I think the first off, it's been a while since I've seen the staff, since they've seen me, so just prove that I'm back healthy, get back to competing. As far as making the club, man, I'm just excited to be pitching again. You know, I think it's actually better and took off a lot of pressure uh, that I had last spring that I put on myself to make the club this year. I just want to pitch in games again. It's been a while, so. You know, just get back out there with the guys and uh, see what I can do.
2: Alex Reyes also returned to the mound, and there was a buzz around the ballpark just seeing Reyes back healthy and pitching again. Manager Mike Shield. just
0: appreciate and respect anybody that's gone through adversity, and when you see somebody, um, regardless of age, but Alex is a young man that's gone through three years of adversity away from a craft that he loves, um, you know, you have empathy for that. And also a deep amount of respect for the fact that this is a guy that has not missed a step. And, you know, discouraged, I'm sure, better questions for him,
6: you know, about how he feels. I can't speak to that, but just three years missed.
0: And, and you know, look, this guy's got an amazing skill set, and he's, and, he's, and he's done at the big league level. And so, you know, he has, once you've done it there and you know you can do it, you want more of it. And he, and he wants to do it personally, but he also is really sincere about doing it for our group.
6: And um, so it's good to see him healthy, be back. I'm happy for him.
2: Rough outing for Reyes, but it is very early here in camp. Split squad today, the Cardinals faced the Marlins earlier, the Astros tonight. And as I mentioned, it's a large camp with a record 73 players for John Mozeliak, the president of baseball operations, to sort through.
4: I've never been a fan of, of large major league camps, and I've always tried to be sort of like that high 50s, low 60 number and this year we have 73 players in camp. You know, we did ramp up the coaching staff as well to sort of support that, but Schilt and his group, have, they, they understand what they're doing, and I think for their standpoint, they're perfectly fine with the numbers, but I would like to, when I start thinking about future camps, try to find a way to get that number back down to just think a little more manageable in the 60s and then have um, maybe a form of like an instructional league that's running parallel, so if you do need a little help, you can just dip that into
2: that. Sure. We know now that uh, Miles Michaelis is shut down for a bit. We got that news this past week. Can you update fans on his situation and, and what the next steps are for him and the club?
4: Well, the next steps really are just <clears throat> being patient. I think uh, you know he needs to, to really do very little um, in the next couple weeks and, and just see if the, the healing process is, is taking shape. And if it is, that's great news. And then uh, we'll, we'll figure out a throwing program from there. If the, the healing process is not going as well as we had hoped, then you're going to have to decide, do you want to try to just pitch through some discomfort and, and possibly do an injection or something along those lines if you want to try to, to minimize the pain? But I think those are really the two paths we're going down, but we really won't know which direction we're headed for at least probably uh, two to three weeks.
0: So as
2: fans are are watching these games uh, down here in Florida, who are the pitchers that they should focus on in terms of maybe replacing Miles in that rotation?
4: You know, I don't want to get into specific names yet because clearly it's early, and, and I don't want to have any players feel like, oh, I'm already behind the eight ball. But obviously when you signed Kim or KK to come in here, one of the, one of the thoughts was to give us some depth into the rotation. So it's early. Um, you know, we have two games played. We have a lot of baseball to sort of work through and decide how we want to distribute those innings and who will take it, take that over for, for likely the month of April. So, uh, plenty of time to figure all that out. And, uh, but I really do feel like we do have depth. I mean, obviously Gomber did not have the year he had last year or two years ago, so he's trying to um, reestablish himself. You look at somebody like Ponce de Leon, I mean, he can give you innings if you need it, and, and he wants to, to find a way to, to be on this club. So there are, there are people that, that I think are capable of running with this, but really I think we've got to let this play out.
2: We saw KK uh, make his Cardinal debut on Saturday. How about your impressions of the lefty that you signed?
4: You know, pretty much as advertised, right? Uh, fastball, good slider. Um, you know, I think he's one of those guys that, that's going to be around the plate. So changing speeds and keeping people off balance is going to be key for him because he is a strike thrower. But uh, certainly uh, thought he'd hit a nice job for, for his first outing.
2: Mo, it can be misleading sometimes the numbers for hitters, especially down here in spring training at, at this ballpark, this time of year. It's a tough place to hit. We all know that. What do you – to put your scouting hat on. What, what do you look for with the left field situation and those guys that are in the mix that, that can separate themselves from the others to say, okay, this is the guy that we need to go with right now, and he's kind of taking the ball and, and, and is running with it. What do you, what do you want to see? What, what do you see from your scouting hat?
4: you really want to see Tyler O'Neill and and Lane Thomas come into this camp with with a new set of confidence if you will because these are guys that in the past just really haven't had a chance to make our club but now they are given are going to be given an opportunity to do that and so you want to see them make the most of it and you know I, I really feel like you want to see competitive at bats you want to see them being able to grind those at bats and then I think from a defensive standpoint you want to make sure that that they're living up to expectations or what we believe is, is important from a defensive standpoint. So I think those two guys, it stands out to me as, as sort of most critical on what they need to do. You know, obviously somebody like a Dylan Carlson, I think is, is more on the outside looking in right now, just given the fact that you, we have those other players you know right now ahead of him, but you know, things change. And I think, I also think, you know, you also still need to see a very competitive camp from, from Dax and uh, Harrison Bader.
2: Have you seen signs with Bader that could be different in terms of, you know, he hits 205 last year, but are you seeing some adjustments that he made in the off season?
4: I think so. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a little cautious to sort of weigh in on that yet. I think, like, allow games to be played and, and, and see where that goes. But, you know, he certainly looks fit. He looks strong. He, he understands that his approach at the plate has to change. He's got to figure out how to get walks. He's going to have to figure out how to strike out less and put the ball in play. And if he does that, it'll be pretty fun to watch.
2: Many thanks to Mo. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. By the way, every Monday, you can hear John Moselock on my website, scoopswithdannymack.com. We're coming to you from Jupiter, Florida, spring training home of the St. Louis Cardinals. And when we return, you'll hear from Cardinals reliever and his long road to the big leagues. It's John Brebbia. And that's next on 101 ESPN.
0: More of the Cardinals talk you know and love. This is the Redbird Report with the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.
2: Welcome back to the show. I constantly get asked, who has impressed you among the players in camp, the young kids, who has stood out? One of the pitchers that has is Cody Whitley, right-handed reliever that I believe will be in the big leagues at some point this year and probably sooner rather than later. A young starter that is really impressed has been Johan Oviedo. He hit 97 on the gun yesterday. Brian Walton covers the Cardinals minor league system for thecardinalsnation.com.
8: You know, it's funny when Oviedo was signed, he was part of that big 2016-2017 international class that the Cardinals spent so much money on, they got penalized for the next two years. And when, at the time, Oviedo was rumored, uh, coming out of not rumored, but said that it was throwing, you know, in the mid to upper 90s. And when he joined the Cardinals, you know, when we put the guns on him, he was down in the low 90s and was like, uh-oh, what happened? And it just took him a while to grow into this big, massive six-foot-six body. Uh, he, you know, continued to improve his velocity every year. But his control was was a challenge, and that's going to be the last piece for him because he made it up to double-A last year, pitched effectively, not dominating, but pitched effectively in the double-A rotation. And again, Oviedo's not a guy we're going to see in St. Louis this year probably, but he's the guy who, if he stays on the track he's on, would be one of these guys who might be competing for a back-end spot in the rotation next year.
2: Maybe the most polished of this group of young pitchers, Zach Thompson. Like what I've seen out of him.
8: Yeah, you know, the Cardinals made a decision in 2019 to reverse their course in recent years, and that was to spend their first-round draft pick on a polished college pitcher. Zach Thompson, left-hander, University of Kentucky, had a very decorated college career, but had a little bit of an injury history, which was a question, which is probably the only reason he fell to the Cardinals at number 19. Uh, Zach Thompson, you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen him now pitch in these games, and uh, he not only has an above-average fastball, he's got a good curveball. As well, and a uh, changeup, and so he is a guy who you know may start the season at Palm Beach, but if he does, he won't be there very long. He'll be in in Double A, and uh, you know again will be a guy that probably won't contribute this year, but you know you're talking about a guy who literally this time last year was just getting ready for his junior season in college. So uh, it's been a nice start for Thompson and it's by the way, it's a unique situation. I think until this year with Thompson, the last time that the Cardinals had a player who was drafted the previous June in major league camp in their first camp was Michael Waka. So, I mean, that tells you the kind of path that Thompson is on. And, you know, with all the excitement on Matthew Libertor for a very good reason, There's no doubt that Thompson is the left-hander, the one of those two, who probably will contribute to St. Louis first.
2: I visit with Brian every Wednesday on scoopswithdannymack.com. Great information. From those relievers to one that will be with the big league club again. And that's John Brebia, who's back for another go-around with the Cardinals this spring.
6: For me, and for me to play the best baseball that I can, I have to show up every day with the attitude that it's going to be a fight to make the team. Um, So... You know, I love to go into spring training. I love to see all the stinking talent that this team has, that yeah. this organization has. And and I like to think that, all right, this is awesome. These guys are going to make me better because they are so good. And I'm going to have to fight and claw and scratch and hopefully break camp with this club.
2: You know, I, I think your story is remarkable. And for fans who don't know it,
6: um, who were you drafted by, independent <laughs> baseball, and then how
2: did you wind up with the
6: Cardinals? Yeah, um, 2011. I was drafted out of Elon University by the Yankees. They kept me for a couple of years. Didn't like what they saw. Um, can't blame them. So, so they released me. I played in South Dakota in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, for one season of independent ball, and then I was traded to Laredo, a team in Laredo, Texas, Laredo Lemurs, for my second year of independent ball. Um, had an amazing time. It was it was the first time in my in a long time in my baseball career that. I just kind of went out and, and played because I loved it, um, and it gave me kind of a different appreciation for, for how I thought baseball should be. Um, and then the Diamondbacks signed me after, uh, after my second year in independent ball out of Laredo, but before I could ever make it out to um, Arizona for spring training, the Cardinals picked me up in the minor league rule five draft. And and I've been here since. <laughs> and you, but the thing was though,
2: physically, the fastball developed, and that was something that you did maybe not have with the Yankees, mm-hmm. and it developed as you went along, didn't it?
6: Yes, yeah. The um, w- when I was in independent ball, you know, as for as much as I loved playing and as much as I was enjoying myself, there was still a, a very large part of me that that said, hey, let's let's get back into pro ball. I, I still thought that I could get better, um, and I and I wasn't going to quit until I until I had reached what I thought was, was you know, my max potential. Um, and I made the decision one day, you know, hey, I think the, the quickest way to get out of independent ball and, and to get back into affiliated baseball was to throw harder. Right. Um, so I just tried to throw harder. And um, it worked. And it happened, yeah, yeah. How does it work though, overnight um, like that? I mean, mechanically, did you do something different? You know, I I am sure that things changed in my mechanics, um, but the conscious change that I made was that I, I got to a point where I really felt like I had nothing left to lose. Um, and I felt that, you know, mentally, if if I wasn't going to make a change in my pitching, I wasn't going to be – no one was going to want me to play baseball much longer. Sure. Um, so I felt like my back was kind of up against the wall and I had to do something, and, and that sort of uh, – allowed me to have this different intent on the mound instead of just trying to throw hard i was trying to throw hard yeah um and you know i'm certainly no i'm no jordan hicks my goodness i would love that I, i've tried it doesn't work right. <laughs> um but it, it helped me it, it added several miles an hour to my fastball um and and i think helped kind of propel me outside of independent ball the beard did it always uh, <laughs> happen in independent ball too or when did this all start for you uh, probably a month and a half or two months into my first year of independent ball. There were a couple guys on the team that just started growing beards for the kick of it. Um, and I thought, ah, yeah, I'll do that too. Sure. What the heck? And I just kind of grew attached to it. Yeah. Um, and the next season I, I did it again and uh, I did it with our pitching coach. Um, and it was just a, a lot of fun. And I got into pro ball Um and had to be a little careful because the Cardinals have some, you know, uh, you got to keep it clean in right. the minor leagues. Um, so it, it was a little tricky there. But at, at this point, is it fun to do? Yes. But it also it also means a lot because that the beard sort of reminds me of, of my time in independent ball and, and really why I'm, I'm here and why I'm playing. It's great. Um, if you weren't playing baseball, you'd be doing what? oh man playing softball probably playing cricket all yeah. my all my other favorite sports yeah, as sure. you well know um, <laughs> that's a really good question i uh, but you're a well-read guy you're well versed well thank you I, I do my best to come across that way and I'm glad I've tricked you no <laughs> no you, you really have tricked a lot of us <laughs> um, I, I majored in political science um, in college and but since then you know it's been I feel like every couple of off seasons I, I find myself attracted to a new uh I guess you'd call them a hobby yeah uh, I have a new interest every couple of years so it's tough for me to pin down what I would want to devote myself to and the interest now baseball. is what um I, I got real into personal finance a couple of years really? later, or, or year and a half well ago you're a baseball now. player that's um, smart especially as the income grows <laughs> and yeah that was that was kind of the impetus right. for it was you know oh wow a minor league salary is you know i I'd like to say that I was living paycheck to paycheck, but I wasn't because I had to take money out of what I made when yeah. I was in high school. <laughs> um, exactly. So you, you, it's not quite enough to, to live paycheck to paycheck. And then the major leagues, obviously, is very different. So uh, I wanted to learn how, how to best, you know, respect my wallet. Best moment in the big leagues has been what for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, it's cop out answers the debut um that was so special with the umbrella on the way there yeah um but I uh I'm gonna have to add in the home debut too because yes I love running onto the field in Colorado um but you know I I was the only one and and (laughs) some family and friends were the only one that really cared about me running onto that field yeah when I ran onto the field in Bush Stadium from the bullpen uh, there were 40,000 people there that it felt like they cared about me um and it felt like you know the this gigantic family and that will stick with me forever
2: many thanks to john brebbia and many thanks to you for tuning in to the redbird report here on 101 espn a reminder i visit with bernie Mickless every monday anthony stolter on wednesday the fast lane on friday this is 101 espn